And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 21. Uh, today we discussed the documentary on Netflix, Wild Wild Country and Spirituality with our good buddy Chris Emerson. What's up? Oh, man, dude, I, I fucking watched the wrong movie. I watched <laughs> Wild Wild West. <laughs> you watched No Country for Old Men, huh? No, I mean, I, fuck. <laughs> is, um, that, is that like Will Smith? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is Will, Will Smith <laughs> and uh, what's the other guy's name? Kevin Klein. Is that his name? Yep. Great, great fucking uh, partner movie. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's jump into this thing. So uh, we're going to talk about Wild Wild Country. Uh, spoiler alert. If anybody hasn't seen it that's watching this, you might want to turn off now because it is a good documentary and you don't want to ruin it. But uh, anybody that's seen this thing... Um, I mean, I think it's one of the better documentaries I've seen in the last five years. It's crazy. Yeah. What was your first impression? I mean, obviously you're into Eastern philosophy and um, Vedanta and all that stuff. And, you know, obviously he's, you know, a spiritual leader with a bunch of sannyasins under him. What did you think about uh, that whole, you know, mindset of all that? Well, I actually had read a a book of Osho's like uh, maybe seven or eight years ago or something. So I, I I knew about him, but the craziest thing to me was I never heard about this commune stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, you just thought he was a good dude or? No, what happened was I, uh, I used to teach guitar at a music academy and one of the teachers was really into Osho. Like she was always like talking about, um, uh, just and after you like you don't actually don't get too many clips of him in the documentary, but he's really uh, kind of a provocateur kind of guy. So she would she was always talking about him. And uh, anyway, I actually traded uh, philosophy of freedom, which my dad was talking about last week uh, by Rudolf Steiner. For mm-hmm. I don't even remember the title of the Osho book, but uh, I I read it I'll and I was it. what's that. I'll try and He's got a it. ton of books, so you might have to weed oh, through okay, some stuff. Yeah, I can't. I don't know what which one it was in particular. Maybe if I saw the the uh, the book, I'd remember. But uh, I I was like I was not feeling it. <laughs> right. Uh, like um, uh, at all. So like I didn't connect with him at all. Like even based on I his nature, him. though, right? Like, would you say it's because his, his, his nature right. didn't align with your nature, right? Well, I just. Um, some of his takes, I just like, like for instance, uh, uh, I feel like he was more into the idea of attempting to satiate your desires to exhaust them, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty much the exact opposite of what I find to be helpful. <laughs> I think that, uh, that's the biggest thing, you know, then there's other things like everybody should get divorced and nobody should be married is one of his big things. He's, uh, well, that was know. the weird con- contradiction. Cause that's an, an inevitably what took him down in the documentary, which forced him to leave the country was the fact that he was performing these arranged marriages with people that were from different countries and aligning them with people that had citizenship. So it was almost like this fucked up you know i'm sure there's people that do that or whatever but when you have a whole community of people thousands of people doing that kind of shit you know that is a big problem yeah um 
an open marriage and open sex and that commune supposedly there's people just having sex in the streets constantly and there's kids there and shit like that and um i just felt like you know did what was crazy to me what really started to get through to me that this is some crazy shit is when they talked about the part there's a guy from like germany that did like a documentary or he snuck a camera into like one of their private sessions and it literally shows these people like acting like monkeys throwing each other against the wall and dance then dancing and then fucking each other and then raping each other and then hugging each other and then dancing with each other you know do you remember the part that i'm talking about yeah it's really it's fucking crazy shit are they on drugs and shit? Uh, no, there's no drugs allowed there. That was the crate. They were well, all doing Kundalini, supposedly. I, I think there was probably stuff there, but they were supposedly doing Kundalini, which is a form of what is that yoga where it activates the you know the um, the serpent within, supposedly. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I I just I've seen people do Kundalini, but I've never seen it done in the, the way that he was teaching these people how to do it. So yeah, well. So, yeah, so I, it, it was, that was the big trip for me was like, I, uh, that I, uh, had never heard about this, this whole thing. Uh, I know, right. I've Oregon. asked people about it. I've asked older people that were like old enough to know what was going on. Nobody even remembers this thing. It's Isn't shocking. Crazy? What, yeah. they just swept it under the rug or something? Well, I, I, apparently. Yeah. Well, it was a big deal though, because in the documentary it shows in the news, like they tried to assassinate like some guy that was like you know, a candidate or something. And then they try to assassinate all these people. And then they poisoned 700 people in this County to affect an election in which they would take over the County. Yeah. They were like, um, (laughs) is that Bogwan guy? What what, what did he say? He's like, Sheila, his, his, we'll get into this in a second. I'll talk about the hierarchy of it and everything, but his what was called his assistant or secretary, I think they called it. Uh, Sheila was this woman who he had sent her to America when she was 16 or 17 to learn, um, you know, in America. And, and they wanted to move his commune from India to somewhere else. And they kept getting shut down all these places. So he fired his old secretary and sent this chick to America. And then they wanted to build something there based on the constitution, and everything. So, but this, uh, Sheila lady that was helping him run the thing. I mean, she just got out of hand. That was, I think, you know, they were both, I think both of their natures were flawed, but I think hers was, she didn't have really much empathy from what I could see at all. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, uh, if you're in a position like that, like, like OSHA, I'm going back to OSHA though. Mm -hmm. Um, where you have like, um, I'm assuming genuine seekers, you know, coming to you for answers and for, um, what they, you know, I, I just feel like if you have people coming to you and you have that kind of power and position and, uh, and then you abuse that, it's really, um, it's awful. But I think it points to a larger point of like not getting attached to a figure or the, the, the teacher himself, but just what, what is he actually saying? Does it make sense? You know, because uh, <laughs> um, if you get attached to the, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, isn't that kind of what that Bikram yoga dude did? I mean, he obviously wasn't doing as bad as stuff as this, as this sounds, but. Don't people kind of like worship him? He has like multiple wives and all that. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I, it, it's, uh, these are. What cult leader doesn't have multiple wives? That's like a prerequisite for a, <laughs> multiple wives. 
Yeah. Well, so anyway, but then, yeah, the, the Sheila um, character was really intense. And, I got to uh, say, though, she, she had a lot of balls, though. She, she, you know, I think that's what made the documentary so fascinating. Yes, you had this man. He was a spiritual leader, but we've seen these spiritual leaders before. I think it was a combination of his nature, which I think was not a nature like you were saying that I can align with, because I don't think that those are the right things that I would be preaching in that position of power. But he did. And I think there was a part where he taught they talk about um, Sheila. I think I, I was went in a circle before, but I was going to bring this up when Sheila talked to him and they were talking about, he's like, I'm not Jesus. I'm not Gandhi. He's like, he's like, you know, Jesus taught, turn the other cheek. He's like, I'd say, take both their cheeks, you know, like that's some fucked up shit to say, you know? <laughs> well, okay. Let me, that's actually an interesting topic to go into if, if you want to. Um, the, uh, uh, because the, the, um, uh, Swamiji that I follow, Parthasarati, um, he uh, he actually had a little bit of a criticism for uh, Gandhi's movement and maybe the Indian people as a whole in the sense that they misunderstood the concept of uh, ahimsa, nonviolence, and took it too literally. Whereas if you look at the Bhagavad Gita, it's a story about our, uh, Krishna talking to Arjuna saying, no, you're a warrior. There, there are these people that are um, uh, have taken over your people and are um, uh, basically uh, um, the, the, the story is it's really about the battle within righteousness versus unrighteousness. You know what I mean? He's like, if it, it, so basically the story is if, if there's something that is, you know, un, unrighteous that you are knowingly doing, you have to destroy that in yourself. And then if there's a battle that has to be fought, it has to be fought. Now, not to the point where you, you should be violent just to gain whatever, you know, uh, goal you, you have. But, um, but in the case of if somebody's being violent to you, you have to fight back. Well, you know, course, they would literally yeah. let people, you know, beat them. Right. And um, and he so his point was the violence is in the intention, not just the mere action. Uh, in fact, that's a that's a huge part of. Um, but what you're saying makes a lot of sense too, because like even if you read like about Jesus's life, Jesus had um, John who protected him. Um, and like, so like if he was a big dude, so if like Jesus got in trouble or somebody tried to fuck with him, John would just come in and beat the shit out of people. And he was fine with that. He just wasn't going to do that, you know? Well, um, so what you're saying, like defend yourself. Yes. But don't go out of your way to cause like, for, for instance, these Rajneeshi people. So like they, people were the, the people of the town that were being taken over. They were like a small town and they were a bunch of like, you know, backwoods farmers and you know uh you know had you know grazing cattle and sheep and all that stuff so they were just like small town people and these people came in it was like a whole it was like aliens invading you know so like they literally didn't know what to do and a lot of these people started like waving guns and stuff like that so the rajneeshis they didn't shoot anybody but the rajneeshis took that as like a, a warning and they started stockpiling guns they had they said at one point they had more guns than the entire state of oregon's police force so I mean, that's some <laughs> fucking crazy shit so so the locals didn't accept didn't, they didn't uh, welcome them with open arms no they I, oh so here's the thing they kind of lied too when they brought bought that property they were going to be a farming um 
community, like commune. But when they got there, they built this. This this is the most impressive thing about the whole documentary. They built an entire fucking city from scratch. We're talking infrastructure. We're talking piping, electricity. They bulldozed into this. There was like a box canyon that it was built in this huge fucking. They're like, you have as much property as you can see with your sight line. It's this huge box canyon with like mountains around it. And they carved this whole thing out. They made a fucking, you know, river with like a dam. They made fucking, you know, vegetation grow and everything they they transformed this whole uh piece of land and the other part of it that was unique too is all these people weren't just stupid people like a lot of these people were doctors lawyers uh architects so they were using all these resources through the people that were the sannyasins and then they were they built this whole community from nothing literally like a whole city and the the whole goal was to get like i think 10 to fifteen thousand people living there some some crazy shit so I mean that's if you when you watch it you'll see what I'm talking about like these people built a fucking city I think that was the most impressive thing about it. They were pretty organized. <laughs> yeah. Give them that. They, Sounds they were, like it. Eh? I mean, um, but but if I could go back to the violence thing, uh, yeah, for a second because I I think it's a fascinating um, uh, question and, and distinction between you know these different points of view, but. Um, I guess the the uh, to boil it down, the the, the idea is that the um, uh, for lack of better of a better word, the sin is in the reaction, not the action, and it's it's in the intention. Uh, it's all about the intention. So, like one person could uh, shoot somebody and kill them to save other people. And it's the same action. Let's say that somebody was robbing a bank. This is the example that the Swamiji always gives. If somebody's robbing a bank and he shoots somebody, the robber does, and he kills somebody, and the, the security guard has a gun and shoots the guy and takes him out to save other lives, he's done the right. exact same thing, but he's doing it to save other people. And, so it's like uh, back to the car thing. Like you can either save somebody with a car or kill somebody with the car. That's right. Which I, yeah. which I agree with that concept definitely, but I think that – um, what he was saying about the nature of Osho, what, that comment is like, if you're, if, if, you know, instead of turning, you know, one cheek, he's like, you take both of theirs. That's going out of your way to take, <laughs> to do double the harm of what somebody's doing to you. Yeah. Um, no, 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 I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I'm not here to justify. When I looked into his eyes the first time, I'm like, this guy isn't a leader. This guy's the fucking devil. His eyes, like, if you stare deep into his eyes, he just looks. Like a like soulless, like it does, like nothing's there, and and I I know people just say, oh, he's stoic or he's focused or whatever. I've seen other spiritual leaders where you can see something good in their eyes, or like you know, you can see the the kindness. There was no kindness there. He might he smiles, but it was like a fake smile. It was really weird to me. I don't know that part about it was creepy to me. These eyes? Are you talking about <laughs> these eyes? Is that Rasputin or is that Rajneesh? There's swirls in them. I'm being hypnotized right now, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking freak out. <laughs> and yeah, he 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 had a really kind of um sinister way of talking too. <laughs> it was like a yeah a mad wizard or something. But yeah, I mean, he looked. He, I guess yeah, he, I know what you mean. He has like a look about him, but you can tell just by what he actually just says and what he does. You know, he just um was kind of up no, to no good. Now, some of it, like, uh, 
some of it I can appreciate some rebellion and being like, yeah, we're going to start our own thing. And yeah, I don't care about that part. I actually, that's what I was saying when I watched, I watched it twice. The first time I watched it, I'm like, fuck these crazy people. They're fucking nuts. The town people did the right shit. They figured out the right, you know, whatever happened to them is what they had coming to them. Um, And then I watched it again and I'm like, you know, there's some concepts here that could work. Like if they didn't all wear red, if they didn't uh, actively fuck with other people, if they didn't, um, you know, if they weren't intruding on anybody, if they would have been part of that community, like like when they came in, instead of doing their own thing and being separate completely to begin, they would have built a new town shop or gas station or whatever, just something like, hey, we're here, we're, you know, we're part of the community type of thing. I think that they wouldn't have gotten the backlash that they actually got, but they came, they came in hot, you know. To, absolutely. I thought that too. I was like, man, you guys got greedy because the exa- I had the same thought. It, it, like those people would have been cool. Like it would have been cool with you guys. If you, if you just were cordial and not mm-hmm. <laughs> so abrasive. They even and say like, that they're like country people. Like we, we, we you know, we were going to see what they're all about. And then, and they're like, Oh, then we saw, and then the shit gets, starts getting crazy. Yeah. They were really <laughs> aggressive and really like, um, so uh, I, uh, but, but then that gets to the heart of it. I think there was something to be questioned about intentions and what they were, you know, so, but. What do you but, think yeah. his intentions were? I, he says that he was trying to create a Buddha field, which, you know, is this type of a scenario where you're building like a city where everybody's kind of on the same page, meditation and energy and everything like that. Um, and it creates this like, Buddha force field type thing or energy that's, field. That's what I was kind of I was going to say. It almost sounds like a, a merry prankster type of feel. It's, in the it's like that, but I think like the merry pranksters even had a better. Well, I'm not thing. saying that they were even anywhere near this. I'm just saying that collective consciousness, the acid test, having everybody kind of feeding off of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the uh, yeah, actually there. <laughs> That is a funny uh, analogy between the two because they did have some similar kind of things going on, but uh, <laughs> the pranksters didn't have those kinds of numbers though. These people had thousands yeah, of fucking well, people, no, dude. Oh, yeah, they had yeah. thirty thousand people worldwide. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, it's really crazy. But the thing about a, uh, doing a Buddha field or this or that, it's uh, no. I mean, I. <laughs> so you think you cool. could do a Buddha field though? Let's say hypothetically. What's a Buddha field? <laughs> uh, I mean, the way I feel, bro, the way I interpreted it is this like, um, think of it as like a mini globe within a globe and everybody there is under this energy no. that's being created from this synergy, you know, synergistic, no, uh, I like, think kind of like what we're talking about, like, like all in one, like brainwashing. No, I think that's big trouble. <laughs> no, you do. It's- yeah, that's like that sounds like just massive groupthink or something. And the, I mean, the, the the thing is, if you want to, you know, get to a certain point, just as being a decent human being or anything. That's what I mean. Like individually, I think it could it could have worked if you had a bunch of individuals that wanted to do that. I could see something growing from that. But since they were all to the color scheme and the actions and the group shit, like everything was just too group. There was no individuality, and I think. The individuality of each one of us and our creativity is what, you know, makes everything grow. And I don't really yeah. see how that that was happening there. But no, I think it was a a, a, a community that was um, 
it seemed to be kind of run by fear. I mean, um, I read an article by um, uh, somebody that had had lived there for a couple of years, I think, and they talked about the, your stuff was searched all the time. Um, there were the, some a lot of rooms were uh, tapped. You know, like um, how long? How long did this thing go on for? I think it was like five years there, maybe. Yeah. Or something like maybe but it was, eighty. But it was going on before all that. He, well, he had been a leader really, since the sixties. He had been a spiritual leader since the sixties. Yeah, they they had a commune, or I guess technically, I guess they called it the you know their ashram in yeah. uh, India for a while. Yeah. And then they then then I kind of I feel like they were maybe in a little bit of hot water over there. They were. Then, they were about to get kicked out there. Yeah. So what, just a bunch of assholes. What, what is this? I mean, no, it's just it's think think about like a big cult, just like posting yeah, up somewhere. Was, you know, some cults are fucking nice, man. These people sound like yeah. Shit. Some of these people probably were nice, and some of them fucking had guns and fucked each other in the streets. You know, like yeah, yeah this shit's gonna get out of the hand. I mean, I mean, come on. The, the one lady, I forget her name. Uh, that, that attempted to murder the doctor. Yeah, that Australian lady. She that went, fucking lady was crazy. Yeah, she went to jail for you know ten years. I mean, I mean that that's not really the the um kind of thing you expect to see at like an ashram. Right. <laughs> attempted murder. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think part here's the thing. I think he was enabling Sheila to do these fucked up things as a cover for himself, meaning that he knew shit was going to go down. But that's why he had these secretaries. It wasn't because, yeah, he needed shit done. But, yeah, it was like a a blanket of protection in case something happens, you know? Well, it's like, well, it's like the Godfather. Oh, I'm just a spiritual leader. I don't know anything, you know? No, it's like in The Godfather when they're questioning Michael Carleone and he's like, or the, uh, the, the soldier. He's like, I'm a soldier, you know, and they Don go, Chichio. They, but, yeah, Don Chichio. But, so they always have separation from the people at the top, from the you know, the people that are doing the dirty work. Excuse me, just for that exact thing. It's like I don't know, I wasn't doing He's anything. got his brother in the courtroom as they're uh, interrogating him. He's like, <laughs> he's he's like, like I don't like, know nothing. Don't... Michael Corleone, I don't know nothing. That's a great scene. That is. So any, anyway, that that's exactly, you know, that's 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 what it was, you know. What same, uh, same thing? What did you think about the the lawyer and the his lawyer, his personal lawyer in that documentary? Because I think he was so emotional. I think he got hooked into this thing, and he seemed to be a, like a level headed one, meaning that he was still had a foot in reality and a foot in this crazy fucking thing. But the way that he still defended him was weird to me. I don't know. What did you think about that? Well, um. My uh, assessment of of that guy would be that he was um, uh, he was a, a, a bhakti yogi. Okay, so that's that's the yoga of devotion, and and I think that there's there can be a real danger in like uh, so called you know spiritual pursuits like that where you're so attached to a figure that you'll do anything. Or you'll justify it in any kind of way because you're you're so devoted um, to your guru that you that if it's a guy that's you know having people uh, do all this crazy stuff or there's attempted murder going on you know like you can you can kind of you be like oh it's my guru you know he did what, was, what were the actual charges attempted murder well oh, that, they, that was they, yeah that was there's a lot of shit. Yeah, well, there was a like ton. It. Well, there, there they was tried a bunch to assassinate of, a yeah the attorney general of Oregon, <laughs> the uh, guy, the, the federal fraud. government guy, uh, immigration fraud, 
the the uh what was the other thing there was another thing oh <laughs> this was the fucked up thing they bust in like 3000 homeless people oh. from all around the country just to take partake in the elections and then found out that those people weren't going to be able to partake in the elections so they were stuck with all those people living yeah. in the commune and not only that that's not, that's actually a nice thing and they took care of them for, for a little bit but then when they realized they weren't going to be able to use their services the fucked up thing is they were uh, drugging, They're, they would give them each two beers a day. That was the only thing those people were allowed to do from the streets. And everybody there, they weren't allowed to do drugs. Apparently, you're just allowed to drink a little bit. But they're allowed two beers a day, yeah, and they drug the drug. They drug the beers with like psychotrope or uh, anti, you know, whatever, whatever they're putting in to make crazy lithium or sedatives. whatever. Sedatives, sedatives, yeah, whatever. And they would drug these people. They had a, the the person that was the head of uh, like their doctor or whatever biologist there. That's who poisoned 700 people that took salmonella cultures and went to salad bars across the area and just like sprayed fucking the shit out of their, their, because they wanted to influence all these elections. The whole thing was they were going to take over, they were going to build this city by taking over. So first they took over the town of Antelope, that small town that we're talking about. They took it over because there was only three people voting on the fucking board. All they Not needed Antelope. was four, four, four people. So they got four people, overturned it, and then they changed the name from Antelope to Rajneesh Puram. Okay. And then, so they did that. So that's what pissed the people off, you know, and then it kept going further and further. So then they went to the county. So the, not only were they, they were on the, like the town level or city level, they were taking it to the fucking county level. And that's when you had the, them poisoning all the people uh, with the salmonella. You had the uh, assassination attempts on the people that were trying to bring heat on them to get them the fuck out of there. Um, you had all this crazy shit going on. Um, and the thing is, the part of the, what took him down wasn't even... All that, it was this guy that, he's in the documentary, he's kind of a goofy guy, but he lived by there and he would go, he was looking through their garbage and he found all these like unshredded documents about all the, doc, you know, immigration stuff and all that stuff. So it was almost like an accident that these people got taken down because they were getting fucking, they were getting some juice, you know? So here's a picture of uh, Antelope or whatever it, they called it. it. That's where you should go hiking when you go. I'm, I'm going up around here. <laughs> But maybe we'll have to pop into antelope. Run well, they said that the bit. river that they built was <laughs> fed from Mount Hood. Oh, it's like 15 fish songs all coming from one state. <laughs> nice. What, uh, Chris, what do you think was the most shocking thing about the whole? Uh, the, obviously, the whole thing is shocking, and there's tons of different aspects to it. But what about it, like, made you go, wow, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I would actually, I would say that, um, I don't know that I would say it's shocking, but, uh, the fact that, uh, that guy could, and his organization could accrue so much money, uh, and that people would be so willing to just give him. Yeah. Uh, they, they, there were a couple of people that were interviewed. They, they, they were like, yeah, uh, we've given him, you know, over $200,000. <laughs> and I think, I think that was back in the eighties. 
So what you join you join them and then you give them all your money and shit. Uh, a lot of those know. people had money, yeah. And the yeah. part, yeah, they, they talk about like how during the '60s and stuff, like a lot of rich white European and American kids were going to India trying to gain enlightenment, and you know, it's like the hippie movement. You know, they they went there, and then a lot of these guys, there were actual spiritual leaders that helped transform people. But then you have your charlatans too that'll take advantage of the, the situation. You got the same thing going on with ayahuasca ceremonies in South America right now. You have the real couple real people, and then you got a bunch of fakers that are trying to cash in on the experience, you know? Right. I mean, I, I thought I heard figures of, of them having, you know, something to the tune of like tens of millions of yeah. dollars or something. He had nineties. Right? He had 90 Rolls Royces and two Lear jets. So, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. And, and you know, and, uh, I mean, we talked a couple, I don't know which time it was, but we talked about the, the idea that, you know, possessions in them, themselves are not, they're, they're no problem. It's the attachment to them. And well, obviously he liked Rolls Royce because even Sheila makes a point um, later on after they've scorned each other where she says something like, uh, Something about his Rolls Royces, like he he kept he needed his Rolls Royces, you know, like something like that. So it seemed I don't know if she was just saying that and putting the pressure on it, but it seemed like he had some sort of attachment to materialism too, because then he also remember he gets in cahoots after Sheila with the late the lady's husband who financed Godfather. Um, started I don't know if they she was like fucking him or his new secretary or whatever that situation was, but they gave him like millions of dollars. I think they talked about. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's as simple as this. He had a, a, a philosophy to chase after your desires and attempt to satiate them. To, I mean, what, what could possibly go wrong? You know? <laughs> so it's like the opposite of approach of the traditional, you know, reductionist or uh egoless approach he's going the complete out he's trying to gain that same path through the opposite approach well i mean i think it just sounds like there was a uh a lack of discretion you know like desires in themselves um you could have a good desire to um to do something that's going to get you further along your path you know or you could have a, a desire that takes you the other way. It's really as simple as that. And then in Vedic philosophy, the idea is that you get yourself right up to the, the last desires to, to realize the self, to, mm-hmm. to merge with the Brahman. And then after that, um, that's, that's the last desire. So there's a, you're trying to diminish them through raising up. You know, you drop the lower, raise up, right. and then diminish them uh, on the whole until, you know, and that's why we, I think we talked a little bit about meditation and how mm-hmm. uh, the Swamiji that I follow, you know, he, he's like, that's the last step. You know, you can't shortcut. You can't just, you know, without doing the work, uh, sit down and meditate and shortcut. I think it's a little bit of a different definition. Maybe I've heard you talk about meditating. It's like you're, yeah. it's almost like you're having a vision quest or something. It's like it's, yeah, cool. it's, like a, like, it's, it's a deep state. It's almost like yeah. entering your own space which is your mind you know like, yeah so and i think that's awesome but i think he's talking about a different kind of thing where yeah with he, the beads and the mantras and you just keep repeating and you hold on to one fucking thing well, i know about that too i just don't i don't you know like that's a whole different approach you know 
Yeah, his, his well, it's a, a difference in definition. His de- definition of meditating is the effort uh, to concentrate your mind on one single thing. You know, um, and so, and he would argue that. And I'm just um, trying to contact beings, motherfucker. <laughs> and so his argument would be: you, you, there's no way you can be remotely ready for that kind of thing until you do a massive amount of work, uh, potentially over, you know whatever it, it could take a long time and sure um and and so then if you have somebody saying no just go ahead and you know just try to fulfill your desires and that'll do it but the, the problem is that they seem as far as i can tell in my life to be um uh not only insatiable but let's say that you do satiate some desire well it just creates a ton of other ones you know they just keep multiplying would you say he w- obviously wasn't sadvic? He was like tamasic <laughs> I mean, at, at worst, I, but I mean, agnostic at best. I don't know. I can't sit here and you know. I don't. I, I don't know. But I will. I'll I, do it for you. He's tamasic. I mean, this guy sounds like he shares no principles than the stuff that I'm hearing from Chris, <laughs> man. It, it was yeah. It was kind of a different kind of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Rolling it's not races. Vedanta, it's Devanta. It's the opposite, yeah. dude. It's his own fucking thing. Multiple wives and, and cars. Yeah. Oh, he didn't have wives. He probably just banged all those chicks that loved him, no doubt. It's crazy. So, and then, I, you know, like, uh, you know, they say the proof well, meditation is, the is different. I, mean, I was watching, <laughs> the whole, not to cut you off, I was watching this thing on Netflix. There's a documentary. It's called On Meditation. It's not great. Yeah, I'm not going to wreck I'm not going to recommend it, okay? But it does show that they're like each person has their own thing that they do that does do something for them. Like this thing had some celebrities had like Russell Simmons, Giancarlo Esposito, a couple people in the David there was Lynch. a there was a yeah, David Lynch was in it too. There's a common thing too. David Lynch actually talks a lot about what you've described from us talking about on that documentary about how the Atman and the everything and then the Brahmin or the Brahmins, everything and the Atman's, you know, this, you know, so like he does go into a lot of the stuff that you talk about and he shows like a little chart and does all this stuff. But I just thought the unique, the takeaway from me watching the whole thing was that everybody did it to like recenter themselves from whatever they were doing. A lot of them had got out of drugs and stuff. Some of them were like workaholics you need to find that like balance where you just like are in communication with yourself or you just re you know, the reset button kind of a thing. So that was the common thing among all of them, whether you think meditation is going to gain you enlightenment or not or whatever. I do think it has a physical effect on your mental and physical state to get like, meaning that like if you're all frantic or whatever, and you start to meditate, you will be able to relax and slow down and kind of gradually get back into the, the flow of things, you know? Yeah, I, 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 um, agree that it does have a phys- it has an effect and what Swamiji would argue, well, I guess I'm kind of like arguing for my, my take on it is that lots of things can give you a temporary sense of relief, but the, the, but that's not the pinnacle of being a human, you know, and that's what he, that's the, the bar right. that he's tried to set for himself. And so, yes, I mean, um, if I go up North for a nice weekend and stay by a lake or something that's that's really nice you know you get a little downtime and you you reset you feel rejuvenated you get out in the woods and stuff but that's not the um 
it's not like the end game kind of thing. So I think that the point would be that you can be seducted by that that quick fix kind of thing and then uh, maybe lose sight of the, the larger goal. If, if you have it, I mean, it, it's just right. different stuff for different people. Um, but he uses it as the last tool to get uh, to become realized. Yeah. Um, is, it, is this the commune? Yeah, that looks yeah. like it. This shit, this, this, this landscape looks amazing. Yeah. They did all that. It looked like poop dirt. Oh, really? They, they carved that yeah. out? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Wait till you see, watch this thing. There's bold fucking 10 bulldozers and fucking cranes and shit. These people are cranking shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, looks like a, yeah. it looks like a circus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they built a huge stuff. farm. They, you know, they had cattle and all sorts of shit. I mean, they, they literally built this thing from nothing. That's what they were saying they were most proud of. I guess that I would think that that was forget about the ideals of Raj, uh, Rajneesh. I think it was about them building something like that from scratch. When you build something like that from your own hands, you do have an attachment to it, and they were willing to fucking fight for 100%. it. So I think that was that was part of it. I don't, I don't even think it was all spirituality. I think it was, like I just said, like attachment to your creativity, and they didn't want to let that go. Yeah, for sure they didn't. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the key word there, attachment, you know, they were just, yeah, attached to it. Do you think you can get, do you think that, like you were saying earlier about it, it can be tough if you get too attached to anything or whatever, but do you think that a lot of these people that have spiritual leaders or whatever, I I would think that a real spiritual leader would explain to them not to get too attached to that to that person that's teaching them and just to more attach themselves to the knowledge or the wisdom that is thrust upon them you know as as opposed to it seemed like it was reversed with this it was like you know he enjoyed it and then later on they renounced the rajneesh religion and he makes everybody throw away their colors and their badges and all their stuff but it just seemed like that was convenient at that point you know right yeah i mean um yeah, I think you said it. I mean, if you're if th- th- that kind of attachments, whether it's to a substance, whether it's to you know whatever, if, if it's to a leader, then it's going to cause big trouble. You know, it, 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 so yeah, I think th- there is an accountability for somebody in that kind of position to be like, look, you know, uh, that's one of th- the things. You know, I always go back to the Swami man. I mean, he says. Don't don't believe me. Think think about this. What makes sense to you? You know, um, uh, that's always the approach for everything. You know, look at any given situation, any person, assess, and then what what makes sense, what doesn't. Not like don't whatever I do, follow me, do what I say. You know, th- like that 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 culture of fear that it seemed like they had is not. Uh, I, don't, I don't see that as being ideal for any kind of growth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with that for sure. Um, They're calling this guy the guru of poison. <laughs> <laughs> Bioterrorists sp- spread salmonella in Oregon. Yeah. I mean, the band poison would definitely like this kind man. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many crazy things that have. I mean, in, in the documentary is six parts. I think it's like each one's like 45 minutes to 50 minutes long. Um and I just think they did an excellent job. Even like the music selection for, I've never even heard half those songs, but I felt like they fit perfectly for like the scenes, you know? Yeah. There was, there was one in particular um, that sounded I'm like, like, I want to look up that song. You know, I don't know what the fuck that is. 
Yeah, there was a song that sounded like My Morning Jacket. That was yeah, I heard. Scene. I know what you're talking about. I'm like, that is My Morning Jacket, I think. Was it really I them? It, I don't know if it oh. is. It sounded exactly like one of their fucking songs, like the one from uh, If You Touch Me, whatever that CD is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I only know Z, I think. Uh, but they, uh, uh, but 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 it was yeah yeah. As far as the production of the documentary, it's excellent. The Duplass it's Brothers, really, the Duplass Brothers. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. And uh, and you know, uh, I I felt like it was pretty balanced as far as um, both point of views. You mean? Yeah, but now now I think that in this article that I mentioned, I read they were saying there was an, another point of view that was left out too. You know. Um, that a lot of the just the regular Joe kind of members there didn't know any of what was going on with a lot of this stuff. Um, whether I, I don't know if I believe that, but they were just like we had, you know, we were afraid of this lady. You know, these yeah, people. I mean, like, I, I believe that because I, I say I, there's part where I think you know that one chick that says her name's like Sunny or whatever. I think she's just like somebody that's in the inner circle. Mm-hmm. She talks about how she has to pick up like. She's trying to pick up the roses off the front of the um, yeah. Rolls Royce, and he's like, "No, don't take one." He's like, "Take them all," and he like smiles at her. And Sheila saw that, and the next day, the lady that grabbed the roses was fucking Poison. poisoned. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like I do believe that there was some maliciousness that nobody knew about, like in terms of like the inner workings of all. I'm sure there was people involved too, but I mean, I don't think you could know everything. I think it was really her pulling the strings, you know. Do you know what yeah. episode of that song was on that you like? Gosh, I don't know. Maybe the, the third or fourth. Yeah, third maybe or fourth. Third. It was yeah. the third one. I can almost guarantee it. I'm looking at I'm not, not recognizing. There's a lot of Marlon Williams on there. It's Yeah, it really fit the um, the part. But, yeah, I, but, you know, even though I said, like, I thought it was pretty balanced, at the same time, I do acknowledge that a, do- a documentary is – also, you know, it's there for entertainment, you know, so there's, there's a narrative and a story being told, sure. and, um, you know, the, the idea that they're actually, <laughs> you know, giving a, an accurate, you know, d- d- you know, account <laughs> of things. I'm not sure, you know, you got to make it interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I'll say after watching the second time, which was like yesterday, I finished watching it. And then. Last night, I'm like, eh, there's nothing on. What am I going to watch? On Netflix, I pull up, oh, George Harrison documentary. Okay. I get fucking sucked into this thing. That guy was more of a fucking spiritual leader than this other fucking guy that actually is a spiritual leader. Because, like, George Harrison, like, knew um, all these principles that we're talking about, but he was trying to actually live it, like, every day, you know? Like, and he fell victim to, you know, the drug addiction because Billy Preston was a big fucking crack cokehead and got him into all that stuff after he had already, you know, found his path, you know, with his, uh, Ravi Shankar and, uh, you know, his, I forget what his spiritual leader was called. Some Bhaktivedanta. Is that what it was? Yeah. And I've, I've read uh, several of his books too. When we actually Hogan, when we were at Bonnaroo that one year, um, uh, what year was that? 2010 maybe. Yeah. I think so. Um, one fish played in itself. <laughs> it was a hilarious yeah. scene. So these guys were all like, I'm not sure if you and Rogers were there yet, but um, we were down there. I bought Bonnaroo tickets for a bunch of people. We went down there, and then Higgins was there with his girlfriend at, at the time. And uh, anyway, everybody was all passed out because they were, you know, up all night and stuff. And I was up. I I don't know what I, if I was doing like yoga outside the tent or what was going on, but this monk guy 
came over to me. <laughs> And uh, he was he was a, he was a disciple of this Bhaktivedanta, and he was like he's like what are you doing, man? I'm like ah just you know doing some yoga. He's like what? And it was like I don't know what time it was, you know, like seven in the morning or whatever. And then he's in um, the middle of the mosh pit. <laughs> so this guy had a bunch of books, and I bought a bunch of books from him. I bought like oh uh, yeah, I was with you. I remember that. I bought like ten. I don't buy this shit, man. This guy's peddling. <laughs> No, I read it. I, I actually, all those guys that sell, you know, you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of people on the lots that are just selling. Don't junk. buy books. There's plenty of people selling drugs around here. No, it's, I'm glad you, you bought them. I'm sure there's knowledge in those books, but a lot of that stuff is. is there's knowledge uh, in those drugs too, my friend. Well, no, I mean, I, I I looked at what the books were. I like there 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 were um what it was was a few Bhagavad Gita's, and I still have the one oh, I just nice. actually um uh uh that red the orange book. Uh, no, well, this particular one was yellow. I can remember. Was he in like a gown or something, or did he look like he was in street clothes? It was no. He was just straight up in a gown. He looked like uh, Yoda. He was in full garb. <laughs> so he was like Harry, Harry Krishna guard. Yeah, said, oh, buy yeah. a book, you will. And, and actually, the Harry Krishna thing, like that's where um, uh, this guy was really big on that. Like um, that's why uh, George Harrison has that in My Sweet Lord is the yeah. you know, the background. Vocal. Well, they, it's because this guy was particularly into that um, that chant, and uh, anyway, so you know, like that was George Harrison's guy. Yeah, when they talked about recording that song for the first time, they they uh, I think they had uh, Billy Preston and some Motown singer. I forget who they had. Maybe Seals or something. Anyways, they uh, they said, "How can we put a, a a gospel theme to this, but make it?" sound like how it does, you know? And then they yeah. came up, it was like a combination of like, you know, Christianity and Harry Krishna kind of, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's cause he wanted to keep his Christianity for his mother. His mother was like always on him about staying, you know, being close with God and, you know, maybe not in the form that it was, but then he says something about telling his mom, he's like, I know Jesus and God even better now from knowing this other part of, you know, religion, which is, you know, Eastern philosophy. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm like I'm really thinking about that. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess as long I as I feel that way, I feel like every time I learn when we talk about this with you, or we talk about you know with any of our guests, or I'm just reading stuff or doing research. Right now, I'm reading the Gnostic Gospels. These things are blowing my fucking mind, dude. I can't even tell you how much truth there is in those, and whether it's real truth or just part of the path. I don't know yet, but. Um, you know, you look at ancient Egyptian, you know, hieroglyphs, they've got the the Gnostic symbol and ancient Greece, Gnosis is where it comes from. I mean, you look at all these ancient, there was something that they knew that was lost. So I think that there's something there. But, you know, this idea that we're flawed, there might come into a, a part where I'm thinking where the God that we think that created this universe might not be the ultimate God. It might just be the dem, demiurge or a part of that. So like if we're... I don't want to get into this. This is a whole nother episode, but if we have a piece of the divine spark within us, initially we came about as like a forethought, meaning that we were a thought of God, um, a part of God. And then there was an error because that part of God didn't think, wasn't thinking with the balance of the male and the female perspective, just the female. And it created an error, which was this demiurge that created our universe. So um, if you think about it, it makes sense because we are all flawed. Nobody's perfect. If Jesus was a, or Christ was a perfect being, 
Um, nobody's been able to accomplish that since, you know. Happy Are you going to go into a Chris Rock fucking bit now? Happy Gilmore accomplished that feat no more, no more than 2,000 years ago, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I just think that I've been doing a lot of thinking, and I just... I'm not saying the God that created our universe is evil or anything like that. I just think that if you look at a lot of stuff, there's a mistake. And this thing talks about how there's three points of life. There's matter, there's soul, and then there's spirit. Matter is everything you see is matter, you know. Uh, soul is what gives us our animation, our who, you know, what we are, whatever. And then our spirit is our true spark, our true spirit, you know. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean... This is like you know, um, it's getting it's getting real political. You know, real no, no, it doesn't get political. political. No, no, no. I uh, so what I was, kind of politics are you into? What the fuck? <laughs> no, I'm saying no, no politics, no religion. Yeah, we're going to it every time. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, we will. No, no, I'm, I'm not going to get into religion. No, like this is I was going to say about that that idea of we're um, we're flawed or you know that whole thing. Um, because what we were created, but meaning the person that created us thought he was creating a copy of the actual spiritual realm, and he did couldn't. He's not God, so he was unable to create that. That's why we have flaws in what we are and who we are. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like the, what I was going to say was um, studying the the Gita this morning. Um, the analogy that was given uh, in the verses I was reading was about that uh, similar to how you can have a dream with multiple different characters that that you don't perceive as yourself, but they're really just parts of your own being, your own subconscious. These these characters in your dream, there could be awful people in your dream doing, you, you know, I've had crazy awful things happening in my dream that I would never do. You know, in real life, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about some crazy stuff in the back of my mind or whatever. I don't know, but they're in the dream. Let's say, well, mm-hmm. watching documentaries like this. Well, <laughs> well, the, the idea is that um, all of those things are just a conditioned state, and but you're really truly, truly the waker, and and you're not really the characters in the dream. The characters in the dream are flawed, but you're in a conditioned state there, and that's why they call it self-realization. You wake up to your true self. You know, you don't, you do, you can't understand it. You can't feel it emotionally. You can't touch it physically. You have to become it. So it's like the dreamer thinking this whole thing's going down in his dream. It's, it feels as real as anything. And then he wakes up. He's like, oh yeah, I'm not that. And all those people that were in the dream, maybe the, the, you know, if you're a kid, it's a monster that's chasing you and it scares you. Or if you're older, it's things that scare you in life. Maybe it's losing somebody. You wake up and you're like, oh, that was just a dream. That's not me. Like that's the analogy that's given. It's not that there's a flawed creator. I'm not. I, I'm right, the, right. You know, I'm just saying the the idea is that we only seem flawed because we're in a conditioned state, and we don't know yeah, our but, true self. Yeah, but if somebody fucking kills someone, that that is the argument. No, I'm oh, saying that we're awake right now. No, but that is the argument that we're not. <laughs> we're not. So what the Gnostics believe awake. is that we're trapped in this body, meaning that we're we were taken as a part of like we were we were each a part of god we were taken from god and put into these bodies as a recreation uh a physical manifestation that is incorrect and an error like i've actually read in multiple books now that 
evil isn't even really evil. It's just error. Um, so that's kind of how I've been looking at it. Um, is just like a lack of, is like in, ignorance, you know, it's not necessarily malevolent. There is malevolence too, but it's more just ignorance usually when bad things happen than it is anything else. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, to, to, to bring it back full circle though, I mean, I just think that with this guy, this Bhagwan guy, I don't know, man, I just feel like his nature wasn't, that great. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to talk. I mean, look, he, if he, if he helped people and he made people feel good, that's good. But, um, I don't think that there's, it's like a, a flash in the pan. I don't think that anything he was doing will really gain these people in light, or help these people reach enlightenment or, um, give them the actual tools, kind of like what you're talking about, how your path, you know, like I'm not, you know, forget us being friends. I think that's a good path. It's not something that I'm going to do or that necessarily I believe, but I respect and understand exactly what you're doing, you know? So it's like, if they did a documentary about you, I would say this person's a good person. They're trying to do good things. You know, there's a real thing there. We're talking about people that got guns and tried to assassinate people, fucking poison people, fucking fucking people in the streets, you know? It's yeah, just well, like, let me pause you there, because if, it, like, in, in that hypothetical, if you did a documentary about me, you'd have to include all the times when me and Hogan were younger and all the trouble I was causing. I partied with you, yeah. too, dude. You're fucking crazy, but out. I still think that your craziness back then was still better than the fucking... Not really. You know? Not really. I did were you some... giving people salmonella? I don't I mean, no, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I didn't do that, but, um, um, but, and, and we're but all, you were you know, fucking people in the streets that, that was, <laughs> that, that was my role. And it was Kevin. That is who you were fucking. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but well, you, you know, make jokes, but I can't, but, uh, the th- but the thing about Osho though, that dude, um, the, I think the, the thing that really sets it apart though, is that he was in a position like I think it, it, it's with a lot of things you know if you're in a position of massive influence and then you're doing you know th- that's why there's so much more accountability if you're on that kind of level of influence because then people are looking to you for all these answers and if you're taking advantage for your own gain and all you know all this kind of stuff I mean it's like doubly bad you know from if I don't know bad is bad I guess and that's for anybody to decide to decide what is right, but, right. but if you're in that position though like we're and, and to be under the guise of calling yourself a spiritual leader kind of thing like that's that's awful you know um, to take a little bit of different look at this though think about this did you ever watch that Grateful Dead documentary on Amazon yeah like I don't know how many parts it is, the Scorsese one. Anyways, there's a whole episode on how they were at one point trying to make the Grateful Dead a religion or get religious status and that Jerry was uncomfortable with the whole idea. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. He separated himself entirely from that whole, he didn't want the power. So this is a man that could have done 10 times more than what this Rajneesh guy did because of, the exposure, the money that they had coming. I mean, the Grateful Dead wasn't rich, but, you know, they eventually gained uh, access to all that later on with everything that's happened. But um, in terms of he had the power, he had all the people that loved him. He was basically kind of like their spiritual leader, you know, people that follow the Grateful Dead. 
I mean, we could talk about this in terms of like Trey, like, yeah, people see, I've been at fish shows where I'm basically looking at people praying, you know, that's what, that's what kind of what's going on there. Maybe they're not asking Trey for things or anything like that, but you know, it's kind of a spiritual experience. And I think that Jerry had everybody in the palm of his hand and he decided to let these people just fall through his fingers and let, let the chips fall where they land. So I think that's a, that's a example of the opposite of this Rajanish guy. I think Jerry Garcia with all of his flaws, drug addiction and cheating on women and whatever, I think he was actually a good person because he understood um, he didn't want the, the other people's responsibility upon him. He just wanted to be, you know, himself basically. Yeah. And I also think that Jerry, from what I can tell, was like a, uh, a bit of an anarchist, you know, he was kind of like, I don't, you know, I don't, he didn't seem like he, he dug authority too much, you know, he didn't right. like, right. he didn't like other people and, uh, you know, uh, being authoritative to him. And, and he, he certainly didn't seem to like when, when all the fences, like the, the, the those scenes, like when you see deer Creek and they're jumping mm-hmm. and, yeah, like the mobs and stuff, and they were like, "Jerry, you got to write a letter or this thing." And he's like, nah, I, "What am I going? Who am I to say anything to anybody about you know any of this?" And right. I think Phil Lesh ended up doing it. I think that's how that went down. But he was like, "No, I'm not gonna." He's like, "I'm nobody for that. I'm not doing." Well, that's, that. that's what he says in the beginning of the movie. He's like, "I just want to have fun. Yeah. yeah, no responsibilities." And that's kind of what that that whole culture was built on. But again, at some point you're going to look to someone for some kind of answers. And I think it, the best thing I like to him and was, he goes, I, I like weird or something. He's like, yeah. I'm really into weird. But at least, at least Jerry Garcia wasn't under the guise of uh, 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 some kind of deity, you know, kind of thing. Like he was like, he was like the opposite. He's like, I'm, I'm a rock. Well, he was, he was into the Garantra papers. That's how we even read this fucking thing was the fact that this guy was, <laughs> but he wasn't presenting himself. He no, hated that's what, the fact that the people would, that's my point. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. And Regardless the fact of, that, well, go ahead. Sorry. Of his, uh, whatever he thought about spirit and matter and whatever else, he he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't like come come to me for answers, you know, right, right, uh, right. you know, <laughs> sinyasties or whatever. As so he, he he was like, let's play, make music and it and it's a thing we do together, you know, band audience. Like he he, he just hit. I don't know, like, you know, yes, extremely flawed guy, a genius, a real, true, authentic artist, which is really, really rare, you know, um, but he wasn't selling some kind of, like, the snake oil thing. Well, maybe, you know, you could argue some of it, there was a lot of bullshit to yeah. the whole hippie thing, you know, and there, cause there was, you know, but... A lot of them were just bums living in Haight-Ashbury. Well, you know, but he... Uh, Anyway, yeah. So that that's the that's the huge bummer about it is, um, let's say that uh, that Osho did master certain aspects or had you know a really great control over his mind or his emotions or like have a real power over those parts of himself and master certain things and then people are attracted to that that, that kind of uh, mm-hmm. composure or, or you know like that mastery um, and intellect. He seemed like as crazy as I thought some of his views were, he was not a, a stupid person. No, you can tell he was very well read and like, you know, they showed his apartment early on. This guy had a billion books, you know, although you could be <laughs> the most intellectual guy and, and all that stuff and then do the dumbest stuff. Like look mm-hmm. at where he ended up, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I was going to say way earlier. The kind of the proof is in the pudding, like not that bad things don't happen to good people, but 
things like that don't really happen to good people. I don't want to say good people, but people that are doing good things don't usually end up with attempted murder situations going on, a stockpile of ammo and guns. How about when they put him in prison and they go, they, they threw him in a cell with somebody and he had, he had contagious herpes and they were all like worried for him. Well, like, what's this dude doing? Is he, you know, like who cares? Contagious herpes, unless the guy's attacking him, I think it's fine. But, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is they, that was the thing. So then when they arrested him, they took him across the country, which would have taken one plane, you know, one flight. It took them three weeks because they stopped at every fucking prison across the country mm-hmm. and, and put him in there. And this guy was in some of the worst of the worst. So they basically made this guy give himself up to get to get, you know, shipped out of the country, basically, because he was just so fragile in his older age. There's no way he would have been able to handle that for much longer. He was getting well, opened up. Yeah. And then there were um uh I don't know if any of it was substantiated or what, but there were definitely allegations of um I thought like heard I heard something about morphine usage with him. With and, him? Uh, yeah. And uh Yeah, they made accusations. so like Shiloh's saying that that lady that became his secretary, that lady that her husband financed the Godfather, or whatever, remember mm-hmm. they talked about that. That lady was like a rich Hollywood socialite, and she apparently were they were getting him hooked on like morphine or I forget what else they said something else too. Let me uh, pause. Oh yeah, nitrous, nitrous. Can we pause right there? Nobody gets you addicted to morphine, right? You have to, you have to willingly put a need. I mean, that's absurd. You know right. what I mean? I'm not saying what you're saying. I'm saying like. In other words, no, I agree with you. Finish his responsibility in becoming addicted to morphine um, or to anything. It's like nobody makes you do anything, you know. Um, and you can't, in one instance, pretend to be this all-powerful, enlightened being, and then oh, but this actor came and gave me morphine. So <laughs> I mean, you can't. Hey man, it's from Hollywood. It's cool. <laughs> He no, I mean, I, I, it was like the typical arc. Like, think of like an arc of like a character on a show or, right. you know, you know, he starts off as this young genius and then gets all this success and then has this grand idea and tries to accomplish the grand idea, accomplishes the grand idea and then fucks it all up with, you know, drugs and, and, and power, you know, uh, you know, mis- misuse of power and all sorts of shit. So it is like a typical uh, archetype kind of a situation there, but <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a crazy story. Yeah, it's really, really crazy. It's kind of like um, I have a similar similar feeling of like, is this real? Like uh, when I saw Searching for Sugar Man um, about Rodriguez, I never saw that. Oh, oh yeah, you I gotta see that. that no, I remember everybody telling me to watch it. Then for some reason, I never watched it. I should watch it. Oh, you got it. Where his dad's in it, bro? You got to see. see? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rudolf Steiner's in this thing. (laughs) No, it's really it's it's the kind of thing you're like. um, I I read a review where they they put it perfectly. They said this movie, if it were a fictional movie, people would go to it and they'd be like, this is contrived and fake and you know yeah. it's stupid but right. it but it really happened and so therefore it's like it it's got a whole different power to it it's kind of like this osho thing it's like right. this happened these people came in here and, and built a city and then try to take over a county 
Right. And, and, and poison people and whatever alleged, you know, who I don't know, but allegedly, yeah. well, the dupe, the dupless brothers must've had the locks on this story. Cause I've never heard shit about it. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I think, I think anybody that can make a documentary about something like that, that you never heard of, but it's just so outlandish are like the best documentaries, you know, it's, like, that's what searching for sugar man is. It's really, where can I watch that? Is that on like Netflix or let me see if uh, I can, on demand I or something? Net, I don't think it's on Netflix, but you can definitely find it. Okay. On, I would think. I, I do remember that, like, that though. In fact, I remember Kevin telling me to watch it, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well it. done documentary. Uh, Oh yeah, it's really good. I think it's probably on Amazon or, or you know. Yeah, for something. Well, it's, I think Amazon almost has every single movie. Yeah. Watchdocumentaries.com. It's on there. Yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you should watch it and then have. Looks like have it's free, dude. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm telling I highly recommend Wild Wild Country to anybody, though. Like I just said, I mean, I even that Grateful Dead documentary that Scorsese produced and, um, you know, what, the George Harrison, All Things Must Pass. Like all those, actually all those are fucking great. But I think there was something about this that just touched a nerve with me. Maybe it's because I'm learning about all sorts of different, you know, uh, you know, ancient religions and different things like that right now and spirituality. But I just think that something about it, it was just well produced um with a crazy story um i don't know and it just the way that it was shot yeah it was in the 80s but it almost felt like it should have been in the 60s you know i don't know it was crazy <clears throat> uh, yeah i think that uh the combination of really beautiful shots that they took of that that scenery there oh, yeah. and then um and then how much footage that there there was from like news clips and all like actual footage of yeah i was shocked at how they got all that. there's videos where i'm like did somebody really videotape that back then but then i remember too they talk about when they first came into town and the townspeople were giving them a hard time they started um videotaping the townspeople doing random shit so obviously maybe that lawyer guy or somebody had a lot of these videotapes so that's probably where they got a lot of that footage was from the Rajneesh people, you know, the town people walking around and looking at them and playing with their guns and different shit. You know, that's probably where they got that footage. I know. Yeah, it's really something. So, yeah, as a, as a documentary, yeah, it was it was awesome. And, and the link to it is even crazier because there's this other guy that lived around the corner, like part of that property, that this Bill Bowerman guy or something, I think that was his name, uh, created Nike with <laughs> Phil, Phil Knight. And these were like, two... The guy's son was one of the guys like really pushing to have these people fucking in him too, but he was older by then, but it's like, they're trying to get these people, like the guy that created Nike, like lives right there. You know, it's fucking crazy. That's, that's a strange plot twist as well. That the, the, yeah, Nike's founder's son is like the main guy. (laughs) And he's like a total hick too. He's got a cowboy hat on. He's got a revolver. (laughs) This guy's a fucking real cowboy. Well, he I'm getting excited to go to Oregon <laughs> or Oregon, whatever, however the you fuck should, you should. They say. still have all those like a frame houses are still just sitting there. You should go check it out. They're all like abandoned and shit. That's where I'm some, camping, bro. You should well, go now, get some no, creepy footage. Youth camp. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. I perfect. forgot. I did, I did see at the end. No, this not that Christian camp looks fucking dope. I want to go nice. there. Yeah. The thing looks fucking unbelievable. <laughs> it looks um, nice. But all right, well, is there anything else you want to talk about here? Uh, I don't know. You know, like, I mean, there's there's like, it, it, there's a lot with it because on one hand, you could just sit here and talk about the documentary <laughs> on its own, right. and then you could compare things about 
what OSHA believed and talked about. And so like the main distinction, as far as I can tell from what he was putting forth in Vedanta, as far as I understand it, is that OSHA was saying, go, you know, satiate your desires. You know, I didn't, maybe he did talk about having some discrimination, but I didn't hear too much of that. I heard just go, you know, whatever. And then you have people saying, no, elevate them to drop the lower ones to raise yourself up. And -hmm. I think that's a, you know, that's a big takeaway I got was like, uh, you know, like, like that Sheila woman, for instance, was a real, I thought the, the kind of the epitome of somebody that was really following that, 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 um, fame and power Vasana, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to the, to, to jail, she was taking it wherever it took her, you know. Like, Do you know about that guy that he talked about in that? Because like, supposedly this whole thing was a big Gurdjieff, Gurdjieff experiment, which was this guy, I guess, this Gurdjieff guy would go around. He was a spiritual leader, and he would force people into tough scenarios to see their true nature, see how their consciousness would evolve through that. Um, and I, I guess what that uh, the Rajneesh... Um, was trying to do was from what I got the interpretation based on that part of it was that Rajneesh was putting Sheila in the position and watching her to watch her consciousness transform good, bad, and different. Um, but it was, this whole thing was just one big Gurchif, Gurchif, whatever the fuck this guy's name hey, is. Gurchif. Um, let's see if we can pull this guy up. Uh, one big experiment, you know? So like, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, if we're talking about uh, the the whole thing as a whole, yeah, bad shit happened, and that was the experiment was trying to do this. I mean, I could have looked at it, you know, anybody that really had a good grasp on spirituality and probably would have been able to deduct that it probably wasn't going to work out. But it just seemed like he, instead of, you know, your typical spiritual leader, like you talk about yours and everything, it seemed like this guy was just trying to, like, experiment with stuff and wasn't really... Yeah, morphine. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't really. He wasn't really the good grounded. Stuff. He wasn't really grounded in anything that really. I like. I never heard anything him say anything that really opened my eyes spiritually. Like I listen to books uh, on tape and read books and read articles and stuff all day long about all this kind of stuff. And I usually pick one or two things from each of those things. I'm like, that's a fucking cool little thing there. And I didn't get any of that from his work or his teachings from what they showed. Um, but I learned something from the way that had all unfolded if that makes sense yeah i mean i get what you're saying but i wholly reject that that whole idea that he was like it was some kind of like massive um uh oh i'm gonna see i'm gonna put sheila in these awful positions to see how she does kind of thing i no, think no, not, just, not on purpose that's oh, not what i'm saying i'm saying oh. um let me see here let's see here if i can find this thing they should have uh, gave Sheila a better name. I don't know. I can't find this guy. I have to look up his name. But this, oh, 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 the other thing. Hold on, real quick. This is something you yeah. gotta look. At. Maybe we can have a part two or something. But the other thing in this article that I that I looked at, and and I didn't go. You know, I. Uh, the, what the, this person was saying was. That whole story that they put forth in the documentary about how her first husband died and she was like, oh, I felt. They were saying that she told this uh, ex-Rajneesh, whatever they're called, 
that she poisoned him just like they had the the injection that they were trying to do to the doctor that really? she did that to her husband and and, and it was and and Osho had ordered that wow and that was like people knew that well cuz obviously but look so, at the, but you have to look at the fact that obviously they were willing to kill for him oh yeah Oh, um, yeah, dude. What do you mean? The gun range that showed these people have Uzis and shit. Of course. They're walking well, around with Uzis. It looks like a Steven Seagal movie from the fucking 90s <laughs> with, like, guards and shit. Yeah, but even beyond that, we know that the one woman, she went to jail and pled guilty. Oh, I, yeah, I that lady's fucked up. Attempted murder or whatever the technical, whatever they gave her with that, attempted whatever you, uh, manslaughter yeah. or whatever. I don't know what you would call it. Well, she went to jail for 10 years, so. So, but but you, the, the, the fact is people were willing to do that. And this this person was like, yeah, she, that, that whole sob story about the husband was all BS. Yeah, because she 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 said this the real story that she tells is that she loved him. They were so fucking in love, and she met him in college, and everything was wonderful. And then he developed uh, lymphoma or something, maybe some type of cancer. I think it was lymphoma, and uh, he kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then she says she had a a weird uh, feeling one night, and she went to Osho. And she says, I think blah, blah, blah is going to, her husband's going to die. And he goes, he is or something. Yeah. And then, yeah. uh, and then the next day this guy was it dead. Was poison but, you gave him. And then he, and then Osho goes, okay, now the next day he, after he dies, he goes, okay, now he's dead. Now it's time to start the new chapter. So maybe yeah. there was something to that. I, I believe what you're saying. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't rule that out. No, looking into this devil's I, eyes, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea, but. Anyway, so <laughs> don't don't stare into the poster, man. I'm already freaking out over here. Kevin's hard. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, yeah, so I I don't know. I think this was super fucking interesting. We could do actually. I could do a whole nother episode. We didn't even cover everything, you know. There's, so. Yeah, there's a ton well, of interesting subplots, and after Hogan sees it, yeah, let's let's watch let's. Let's make him watch it now, and now we'll do another episode about it after he's seen it, and now we can really get into this Let's shit. Let's get the Maurice take. Yeah. I'm going to keep pry my eyes open. <laughs> you better watch this in one sitting. <laughs> we cut your eyelids off. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Well, right. You didn't spoil anything, so. <laughs> oh, we spoiled the whole thing, rotten. Um, no, just watch, even if we told the whole thing, it's still one of those things. I think I've watched it twice. So if they I mean, you know, I saw, I've already seen it and I watched it again. So, well, it sounds like you got a lot of time on your hands. No, I just, I'm a, I'm a fucking late, late <laughs> bird. Kidding, no, I, I st- sometimes I can't go to bed and that's when I watch. like last night I watched all things must pass. Sometimes I got a little bit of time at night. That's a good, that's, that, yeah, it's good, but it's long. It, yeah, it is. Phil yeah. Spector's a. You want to talk about a fucking nutball? Phil Phil Spector is a fucking nutball. He's a wackadooly. He talks like that. One of his eyes is like way bigger than the other one. It's like that. <laughs> this shit's yeah, fucking he's, crazy. He's pretty. Yeah. Have you ever I mean, seen like, that? Have you ever seen that on time. HBO? El Pacino is Phil Spector. This shit's fucking nuts. <laughs> no, no. But I was gonna say that the the only thing that I don't like about All Things Must Pass is the production on it. I hate that. Like, I agree with that. Echoey, uh snare drum thing or whatever they the did. The beginning was too loud. I got to, to keep turning this thing down. I'm like, why the fuck is this thing and so loud? And that's a great album, though. You know what yeah. I mean? problem with uh, Scorsese? <laughs> oh, no, you're talking about the actual album, not the movie. Right. I'm talking well, somebody, about the album. 
like the so last second. waltz that was probably easy for them because they were mixing it like it was a music you know so like this was a little bit different because they're putting clips in with the movie with overdubbing voices and shit i, I agree with them i don't think they did it as well as they could have wait isn't the movie called living in a material world yeah, I think no, it is, no. Yeah. Did you? I think you guys are misunderstanding me. I don't like the production on the album. The actual. Right, no, no, no. I got you. I got you. Oh, I thought you meant the movie. I, I no. thought the movie was kind of. I, I, don't think. I, I think these like if they took a Duplass brother approach, the organization of it, it would have been a little bit better. No, it's good, bro. It's Scorsese, man. Don't talk shit about my boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've that docu- that Grateful Dead documentary was good. Uh, I've seen better. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it, that that one was interesting because they had like this. Um, I enjoy Anthem to Beauty, which is Anthem of the Sun and American Beauty. Like oh, the, you know that that's yeah, a fucking great that's one, right? Good. That's, I've seen that a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. but the, but the, yeah, that Grateful Dead one they had like cliffhangers at the yeah. end. It, it was weird. It was like this is like does awesome. Jerry what, die? What is die, this? Die, uh, die. What was the show with the drugs? Uh, 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 gosh, what, what's the one with the guy with the meth? What? The oh, Breaking Bad? Break, breaking oh, Bad. Yeah, it was like yeah, Breaking yeah. Bad cliffhangers at the end of the <laughs> Does Pigpen die or not? What's going on? <laughs> did, did Pigpen do crystal meth with Brian Cranston? He goes, yes, he did. Next time. How long will Bro- Bruce Horns be last? Right. <laughs> but, but as far as the All Things Must Pass, I love the album so much. I've never really listened. To, I, I, if I got to listen to it with headphones on, then I can really hear it sonically. Oh, yeah. See what you're talking about. Put those ones you got on right there. Hey. Put them on, and you'll hear it. Fire it up. All right, boys. Well, good stuff. All right, good good episode. Watch that documentary. We'll we'll do a follow up on this, but uh, we'll catch you guys next time. And uh, peace out. Take it easy. Later.